What's up, guys? Welcome back to podcast episode number 14. Today, I have a guest with me who is a very special friend of mine as well. Uh, a little bit about our guest. Uh, born in Jamaica and now residing in New York City, our guest is an experienced speaker, business strategist, and a tireless champion for fellow entrepreneurs. She engages her audience on entrepreneurship, on lifestyle of giving, and a range of topics for business ventures speaking at universities and on podcasts and business forums. She is the founder and visionary for Bunchful Technologies, an enterprise that is all about giving and which aims to shine the spotlight on those who give back to the community. She also sits on the board of the New York chapter of New Executive Women in Hospitality as the director of Equity, Inclusion, and Diversity. In her spare time, she keeps abreast of philosophical concepts, and is an avid writer, poet, traveler, and known by her personal motto, make a difference now. That being said, let me introduce our guest today, Raquel Miller. Hi, Raquel. How are you doing? Hello, Sid. Thank you for welcoming me to your podcast. I look forward to our discussion today. Thank you so much, Raquel. I, I want to personally thank you for giving us this opportunity and uh, we are excited and happy to have you here. Certainly, um, such a wonderful introduction. <laughs> thank you. Raquel, uh, before we dive into the podcast, you know, the subject of the podcast, would you mind taking a moment and telling our audience about your background? Oh, uh, yes, actually. Uh, well, I am from the Caribbean. I am from Jamaica. And I grew up in, I, I started the first 10 years of my life. I lived in a small farming town in Jamaica. I lived with my grandparents. And oh, those were blissful years, I have to say. You know, when I look back at just the, the wonderful opportunity I had to be part of that smaller community. And I, I must say that those were the years that seeded my journey in, uh, in giving back, in generosity, in giving, you know, sharing what we have, sharing our own abundance with others. And in that small town, growing up with my, uh, with my grandparents and my grandmother, I remember she would wake me up early in the morning to go, you know, give our uncle across the street his breakfast because my mom provided all his meals. And I thought that he was our uncle, actually. She'd been taking care of him for so many years. And others in the community would also come and help. But it was really, uh, it was really after he died that I realized that he was not our, he was not my uncle, actually. And that it really, you know, I thought, I remember the impact of hearing that, that, whoa, this person is not my family, not our blood, you know, family. And, um, and that was a moment for me that I remember. I remember seeing him when we discovered him on his bed. I, that image is so planted in my memory. 
you know, this person early that morning, this person, he is bent halfway between his bed and the floor and in a very crooked and very, you know, stiff position. And, you know, and so knowing that my grandmother had taken care of him for so long, had fed him, you know, was really a very, um, impactful thing for me because this wasn't something that you're given so that you can get back this was really given because there is no real possibility of that being returned so but you know life in uh in jamaica in a small farming town i mean it had i mean we had a lot of fun you know a lot of playing singing songs by the riverbank, you know, on laundry days and, you know, going to the brothel to, um, to chop cane. My grandfather owned a cane field. But later on, I went to live with my father in, uh, in the city. And so now I am living in the city and this was devastating time for me. It was, you know, I, I lost so much weight. I, I couldn't you know, I, I missed my grandmother, you know, I was just kind of plucked out of the countryside and living with my father and my siblings and, you know, and all of it was really, um, was really, you know, really touched me in such a way that my parents, they were worried about me, you know, is she sick, you know, what's happening? But when I witnessed my dad's generosity, you know, the way he, um, and here in this large city, this wasn't about so much about community help, but my father being the um, somewhat of a patriarch and being, you know, and sharing his wealth with his, with the, with the community at large, where it was, you know, he was the primary source. That was another moment that I didn't realize until now that really, um, that really impacted me. And so from there uh, on, to, on to New York, I, you know, started, I went to school here studying English, English literature, philosophy, politics, history, <laughs> all my favorite subjects. <laughs> and um, I went to work on Capitol Hill. I went to work as an intern on Capitol Hill for an extended internship, uh, came back, you know, went into corporate life started out at Bear Stearns, you know, went countrywide, Aegis, all these companies are gone now, by the way. <laughs> but these were some of the um, experiences that helped shape my, my, my path right now. And so that is the long answer to your question, <laughs> you know, tell me about your background. I mean, it's, it's amazing, you know, it's always good to know where you come from and, and the story behind, you know, your growth. Uh, so let me ask you, Raquel, so what year did you move to New York City and, and what transpired the move? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I couldn't hear you so well. So I said, uh, so what year did you move to New York City and, and what transpired the move? Well, okay. So when I first came to New York, um, early 90s, I was really, what really happened was, my dad wanted me to go to medical school and okay. I did not want to do that at all. And one day he, one weekend, he was away, he was traveling. My dad traveled a lot. And I took my passport and I came to New York 
I must say that, you know, I, um, at the time, I really, I mean, I landed in New York, like everyone else. And I thought, wow, you know, I have so much money. I had the equivalent of 75 US dollars. Oh, wow. <laughs> I had it all in Jamaican money. And I thought, whoa, this is awesome. <laughs> and I, uh, my cousin, I have a cousin who lives in Connecticut. And mm-hmm. so she had a friend in New York and she helped me to, I went to, um, to rent a room from her friend. And, um, and so that's it. <laughs> I was in New York. Needless to say, my dad was furious. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you got some bad type. I yeah. love that. You have some courage there, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as I mentioned, you know, you uh, are now the uh, founder for Bunchful Technologies. So, so I want to talk a little bit about that, you know. Uh, so basically the mission of this company is to bring together a global community of givers via an innovative technology plot platform to show the transformative impact of a culture of giving. Uh, two questions I have regarding this, you know. Number one, how did you come up with this name, Bunchful? And what was the story behind um, starting your own firm? So great question. How did I come up with the word, with the name Bunchful? Well, I'll take partial credit for it. Early on in our, um, early on in our development, I had a friend of mine and I, we were both engaged in the business and we were looking for, you know, a word that, you know, had a sense of abundance so how do you find such a word, you know? I mean, there's the actual word abundance. And we were brainstorming. We had pages and pages of brainstorming, um, brainstorming ideas. And she mentioned the word. She said, well, how about bunch? And the moment I heard the word bunch, um, and this was uh, a friend of mine, um, her name's Candice. And um, so we were actually working on the business together. So she was coming, uh, she was going to be coming on as a co-founder. And we were, the moment she said the word bunch, I knew it. I said, absolutely. And then I added the suffix full so that it was bunch full because I really wanted something that felt that it was, it had growth and opportunity and love and, it was just, I said to her at the time, I said, this word is crunchy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you can say that of a word. And so in founding the word bunchful, because it's not a word that exists in the dictionary, we also had to define what it meant. And so I gave it the definition to be bunchful is to share your wealth and your abundance with others. And so that's what the, um, the, that's the underlying meaning behind the word um, bunchful. Uh, I'm so sorry. What was the second part of your question? So, so the second part was, uh, as you mentioned in your background, you know, you started with uh, in corporate ladder, um, and then you moved on to become an entrepreneur by founding this company. So, so what was the story behind that transformation from a corporate world to being an entrepreneur? You know. Yeah. 
there is something. I, my, my last corporate job was actually with a company named Heartland and we were in payroll and payments, um, payments um, technology. And I was in a sales role and I absolutely loved the company. I loved working for, for Heartland. I loved my colleagues, my manager, everything was great. And yet there was a sense that even there enjoying you know, the, the work and my career there, I felt something that was missing. Some part of myself that was not being expressed. And so it's that nagging feeling that I have other work to do and other work that's important that needs to get done. And so it's very distressing, you know, that uh, when you, because you're, especially when you're in, uh, a, when you're experiencing contempt, you know, to, then say, okay, I'm leaving this behind to go on this grand adventure that I have no idea where it's going to take. And it wasn't a, um, a, a journey that is a smooth ride. Entrepreneurship is a journey of the unknown into the unknown. And so as I went, began those, uh, those steps, and I, and I should say that really uh, it started earlier there was an earlier um where i actually founded an arts organization and we were doing well enough but not um we were in the middle of the um recession and we just did not um we didn't raise enough funds for all the things you know for the things that we needed to do and that was itself you know fairly scary we had some great um, partnerships that we did accomplish, like partnering with National Geographic on, you know, some theatrical productions and, you know, and, and some pretty large institutions around New York City, El Museo del Barrio, the Brooklyn Museum. And, you know, we, um, we actually filled the theater at the Brooklyn Museum. I almost filled the theater, I should say, at the Brooklyn oh. Museum uh, with our production ones. But, you know, it was very scary actually. And I, you know, it's standing on the shifting sand and, you know, you're just not sure. And so I hightailed it back into corporate, right? And I went to work for Heartland. And being at Heartland, you know, after a while, after the first, you know, newness of it, that, that old feeling starts to creep in again. I should be, do there's something else that I'm meant to be doing. And so you must confront it. You must, I felt I could not, I had to explore where that was going. Were you scared this time too? I'm still scared. <laughs> how, did you, how did you overcome that fear to go back to Heartland or any other company and you just took a leap and you said, you know what, I'm just gonna go for it. And now I don't even think of it as overcoming the fear, mm -hmm. but really living through it and embracing the fear, stepping forward still and still keep going. Because anything that we choose, every, um, every choice that we make, there's always an alternative that may seem safer, that may seem better. But once we have 
that sense of purpose, that sense of I know what I want and where I want to go, then mm-hmm. you have to keep going. Because if not, then you end up with a, with a, um, with a life of might have beens mm-hmm. and wish that I had. And, you know, so, you know, come failure or success, I knew, once I knew what I wanted and where I wanted to go, uh, it, was, it was just a decision of, you know, some days are, are more fearful than others. The opportunity is bigger than, you know, than the previous day and, and embracing that and, um, and taking it one day at a time. That's the, that's the only way. Very nice. It's a great advice for up and coming entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, you know. <laughs> so along with Bunchful, you are also a member board of directors at the NEWH, which is the new executive woman in hospitality, a premium networking resource for the hospitality industry. Can you elaborate a little bit on this venture as well, you know? Oh, yes. So I am the Director of Equity, Inclusion and Diversity at uh, the new Executive Women in Hospitality, um, commonly known as NEWH. And as the Director of uh, Equity Inclusion, it is my goal to make sure that opportunities are there for others and that the doors are open for others to welcome those in who have sometimes perhaps felt marginalized, not invited or invited, but not included, or, you know, you know some, those who, are, who want to be, want to express themselves, want to express their voice and be part of, be part of something uh, that is even bigger than themselves but sometimes just do not feel included. You know, we're in an interesting time right now because we see our society is at large, is going through a period of, I would say a revolution in thought. The norms that were practiced in the past are no longer, are no longer the standards by which we set that we are setting for the future. Mm-hmm. And so we are right now living through this flux and this flux, you know, we see that also impacting politics and, you know, the general society and all of these things that's because of this great change. And I think going back to one of your earlier questions, I think that we are innately afraid of change. When we think of um, change, we think of losing something. And so when we, and so the part of the upheavals that we're having right now is because of this change that we're going through and not just change on one, on one front, but change in all these different areas. And so it causes a lot of angst and you know, we see groups rising up against other groups and because you know, many groups who feel that they have, what they have will be taken away from them. Feel, you know, they fear that change. So, so, so Raquel, being an entrepreneur myself also, I just want your input on this. So when you say change is scary, right? 
-hmm. it's the fear of losing everything or anything, correct? It's a fear of losing something. Is, is that, do you think, is that the myth in the society or, uh, because, you know, once again, you know, we are all judged, you know, we always say, hey, don't judge us, but everyone or someone is always judging us, you know, yeah. at yeah. how we are, what we do, you know, so, so do you think it's more of the impact of the judgmental society that puts this pressure on our mind as an entrepreneur? What will he say? What will they think? So to unpack that a little bit, I sometimes I am wary of, you know, I sometimes when I say the, the, the word society, I say it with caution, because many times when we talk about society, we're talking about something that appears to be external from ourselves, as though we live in a glass house in the sky. But society is what we have internalized. It is what we have internalized and expressed and expressed as a group. And that is what society is. And so we are part of it. We are part of the making and the breaking of it. But, and so when I talk about the fear, the change, the fear of losing something, when if, because sometimes we think that if I have this, and you give it to someone else, then I no longer have it. And so I have lost. And many psychology, um, you'll read many psychology papers that talk about, you know, this fear of losing something can be even greater than the fear, than the hope of getting something. So the fear that I may lose this is stronger than the possibility that I may gain that over there, right? And so that drives- That's a great point. That's yeah. a great point, Rochelle. Definitely. Yeah. And that drives a lot of our actions. So going back to it as the director of equity and inclusion is to my my goal is to make that transition between, you know, those who have those who have a lot and those we want to invite to partake to let them know that there will be enough for others to to share. And that we can um, we can allow others to be part, and maybe through that even have something greater than what we currently have. That's a great outlook you have, you know. <laughs> uh, so so going back to Bunchful, I yeah. know you have the Bunchful Awards coming up. Uh, can you tell our audience a little bit about what's the purpose of that award? Um, you know, so they can understand better. Oh, yes. And I should, um, you know, we talked briefly about the technology behind Bunchful, and I'll talk about that momentarily. Thanks. But yes, but essentially, the Bunchful Awards were created out of a desire to shine the light, to recognize those exemplars among us who give back to their community, who give back to others. And so that we use that as a means of creating this new path into the future. So many people among us are givers. You know, they give of themselves in so many ways. And we, I think that it's time that we recognize that on a larger scale. Going back to my grandmother in, um, you know, in a small farming town in Jamaica, when, uh, and the community that rallied around to give to each other, 
to give to the old man across the street or the woman next door who, you know, with her children who doesn't have, um, you know, the means and, you know, opportunities. The whole community really working in sync together. Uh, that was such, those times, you know, that the period of those years were, um, were so inspiring for me, but at the time I wouldn't have used the word inspiring. I don't think I knew the word inspiring, but my day, you know, when I woke up and, oh, I, you know, I was not an early riser and I did not want to go with my grandmother across the street, right? <laughs> but the, you know, the way the community came together, my, grand, my grandfather had a cane field and he hired workers and other, there were other um, families who also had their own plot of land, you know, for cane, for farming cane, you know, sugar and rum and that whole um, manufacture of it. And when the whole community went together, you know, during harvest to do the work together and as children at the time, I was too young, you know, so I didn't actually do any work, but I was there playing, you know, we helped to gather some of the, we helped to do some little part of the work. And it was such a community effort on a grand scale. And so, I really wanted to create an organization that was able to recognize, you know, not just giving on a individual level like my father did, but giving on a larger level and to use that as the blueprint for going into this new future where we are. Well, we can never really escape the ever present path, the ever presence, right? But, um, but you know, as we, as we chart this new path forward, you know, we wanted to shine the spotlight on those who give. So think of the uh, frontline workers, you know, that nurse who worked, you know, all her shift and, you know, still was able to, um, to do, you know, to help her neighbor or, you know, we're looking at those exemplars who give, not just giving in terms of money, but time and effort and really a desire to help. But, yep. we, but while we think that is also important, we also think that it's important to recognize large scale giving for organizations that really impact, impact you know, the community on a larger scale. We have large organizations who are giving. So we also wanted to recognize that. So Raquel, I, I have a question just to understand this better. So does your company have a metric system uh, to measure this and is it quantifiable? Oh, that's a great question. So this is actually a good segue into the technology that we are, um, that we have been developing. Mm -hmm. So we are currently developing the B Bunchfold platform. Mm -hmm. uh, and the B Bunchfold platform is where companies get to showcase the, the philanthropy and social good they do all on one platform. We have a, um, we have a developing um, metric for, uh, for giving companies a, you know, our bunch will seal then of, um, of how um, impactful, you know, their giving has been. And it's so- just like an acquisition, right? Just like right, a, exactly. okay, okay. Right. But the, the Bunchful platform itself 
will, will also be uh, self-managed by organizations so that they can input their, um, their philanthropic work. Um, the Bunchful Seal is something that is um, an accreditation through us. Okay. And we are- And, um, and then on the back end, you guys, so, so when these companies, they input everything on the back end, your software can create a metric system, like how to rank, yes. which one to rank, one to 10, whatever the metrics you have. Right, yes. So, so you're in the process of building that software? Yes, we are. Oh, I'm excited <laughs> Tiny, to see that. Yes. I would love to see that. Tiny steps. Yeah. But, um, but yes, and so at the Bunchful Award, so let me uh, also explain. The Bunchful Award is actually made up of two, uh, two distinct events. The first part of the event is really the summit. Our summit, the Future of Philanthropy Summit by Bunchful. And that opens on November 17, 2021. Mm -hmm. And we'll have, uh, you know, organizations will have speakers there who are um, who are talking about you know how their approach to philanthropy, what the future looks like for philanthropy. We'll have technologies being um, showcased there that you know emerging technologies that are addressing philanthropic um, the philanthropic um, community, and that's you know that will be of impact to them. We have an exciting lineup of speakers. I must say, um, one of our speakers is a uh, winner of the Obie Award, which is one of the highest civilian honors by the Queen of England. Um, uh, yes, and has himself been uh, leading a project by uh, His Royal Highness um, Prince Charles. And uh, that's just one of our speakers, but we have um, a number of other speakers. The IRC, the International Rescue Committee is our um, philanthropic beneficiary in this, and they will also be, um, be speaking. Organizations like that, you know, mm -hmm. the IRC had boots on the ground in Afghanistan, providing refuge and support to, um, to refugees and um, you know, sustenance and all those things, uh, not just in the immediacy of, uh, of what we saw happening, but also the aftercare and, the, and all the work that goes into that. So we're really um, an organization that recognizes giving on all levels. I love it. Ah, oh, and, I, yeah. and uh, so the second part of the bunch of awards, yes, this is the fun part. <laughs> so, we, uh, we're having a um, the bunchful we're having the bunchful ceremony the bunchful awards ceremony on mm -hmm. April 27 2022 right mm -hmm. here live event in New York City where we uh, give out the honors from um, from the winners of the um, of the award mm -hmm. uh, and um, that will be followed by the bunchful ball where and that's where you have fun you know come dance you know, Get on your 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 ball gown, your black tie, and uh, and come out and have uh, have a wonderful time. Uh, just uh, one quick note that I mentioned the winners of the bunchful of the bunchful awards because we've actually opened up our nominations. So if you go to the bunchfulawards.com or bebunchful.com, you will see uh, we have a nomination open for 
for anyone to, uh, to nominate either themselves or individuals whom they know who are, you know, who are just really generous people. So you can nominate someone and our, um, our criteria have been set by, for, you know, those who, for eligibility criteria have mm -hmm. been set by an independent uh, committee made of international persons who mm -hmm. formed their independent committee to create the criteria by which someone can win the, um, the Bunchful Awards. Oh, wow. So, so that's good, Being having an international committee keeps it unbiased and uh, correct? It, not just that, it's, you know, equity, it's inclusion, diversity, you know, mm -hmm. making sure that we have an, uh, a committee that was representative of many different cultures. That's part of, you know, our promise. Wonderful. Um, so I have a few more questions for you regarding entrepreneurship, you know. Um, as we all know, it can be a tough, tough road, you know. So in the difficult moments, how do you stay focused on moving forward and making progress? Huh. How do you having that million dollar smile you have, you know? <laughs> How do you stay focused? You know, as entrepreneurs, you know, especially, you know, when we have uh, some, you know, great ideas for how our um, of how our company, um, you know, should be. And then we there's another shiny object. <laughs> There's another shiny object. Like, oh, I could do that as well. <laughs> but that's part of the discipline also of being an entrepreneur is being able to carry through an idea forward. Still, because we still, you know, I am the person who is in the creative field. So I'm always, you know, creating, creating. But while I have projects that we are creating and that you will see um, coming out, we have some really, you know, some very, you know, grand um, projects that are on the way. What really helps is creating a roadmap for the delivery of your product and the delivery of your services. And, you know, when, when one thing will, um, will be launched, another and then the flow and roadmap around that making sure that it is in congruence with your overall vision but also that there's a logical sequence to you know why this first and that second and so on okay that's great uh, you know i always ask this question to any entrepreneurs out there what do you consider to be success. What's uh, so sorry, your voice was low. I couldn't hear. So, so I say I always ask this question to all the entrepreneurs I come across. What is the definition of success to you as an entrepreneur? Huh. I think, I think we we ought to mm -hmm. shift our focus from thinking that a win is only when something goes exactly the way we want. We must acknowledge other ways in which we win. And sometimes those things that we perceive as losses end up being the preparation for what is needed for something even bigger. You know, as an entrepreneur, 
for every entrepreneur, for every one entrepreneur out there, there are 10 other people who wished that they had taken the first step. And for that entrepreneur who takes that second step, there's another 10 people. There are another 10 people who did not make that second step and so on and so forth. And so as entrepreneurs, we sometimes, it's so easy. It's sometimes, you know, in the loneliness of being at the head of your company, in those um, quiet moments, you know, we only consider the day a success when we have that big win, when we have obtained that big client. But we've had what we fail to recognize are those smaller successes, you know, sitting up and setting up your sales pipeline, taking the day to get that done correctly. Okay, that's, you know, that's an, an important success. You know, make, doing this other thing to, um, to engage with your, with your audience, that's another, those are all small successes. And it's not just the big, you know, I gained this big client, so, you know, so then that's a success. Because those other things make up are what form the greater success that you're going for. I love your approach of baby steps towards the definition of success. Uh, so, so Raquel, now looking back from way from coming from a corporate world to be a very successful entrepreneur now, do you feel proud of yourself and your accomplishments? I am immensely so. I am proud that I made the decision, but I keep making the decision every day. I made the decision to be an entrepreneur and to found this company and bring it to, to a certain level. And I make that decision every single day. You know, I think that being an entrepreneur is, it's a, it, it feels like a battle because it feels like you're up against the world. You know, mm -hmm. you have this thing inside you and you desperately want to share and you want others to share in it and enjoy it and be part of it and it feels sometimes like it's a battle like how many demons how many demons you have to fight both real and imagined um, but making that decision to bring because what you're really bringing to life is something that will help others right that's the that that is really you know some path that you've created for others to, to make someone lives, someone's life easier. Mm -hmm. And, you know, continuing to make that decision every day and keep, you know, and keep into that promise. It's, it's very important. But I must say that many times, it's not always easy to know what it is, what that it is that we want to bring to life. Many times, we are living our lives in obscurity, not obscurity from others, but actually obscurity from ourselves. We do not know who we are, much less what we want. 
other people's wishes imprint themselves on us before we know it. And we are then living someone else's life. So it takes work because we, we, can, we can't realize ourselves by living what someone else um, wants of us. So we have to go inside. You know, I talked before about, you know, society being, you know, something that's been internalized by ourselves. Um, so many norms, you know, that many norms that we've made our own are not always our own wishes. So in order to understand ourselves, we must take that introspective turn. We must unlayer the cake, keep going, mm -hmm. sit with yourself in quietude, look at your interior design and understand it. And from that, you rise to act. You rise in the power of that knowledge of knowing who you are and then really knowing what you want. And the winds may come. In fact, the winds will come and blow you down, but you bend, you dance in the wind and you just keep going. What a great advice. What a great advice for uh, upcoming entrepreneurs, you know, uh, which takes me to the last question. Uh, you know, like, this was a great advice, you know, maybe if you want to add something to it, what is your message and advice to the upcoming entrepreneurs uh, watching this podcast? Well, most of what I just said, but I think that especially from uh, entrepreneurs who are currently in college, this is a great moment and a great time to go back to some of those professors who are in those areas that are of interest to you and get good advice. It's not always easy to know, to discern what is a good advice and what is not, especially when you're you know, relatively young and just um, starting out. But once you have those good advisors, you'll start to, you know, your own internal logic will kick in. And because a lot of times you may bring an idea to someone and, you, you know, your friends, they just want to support you. And they, you know, they say, yes, yes. Oh, that's great. You know, that's great. But, you know, whether or not that, you know, that's what they really feel, you know, maybe up to interpretation, but going to, um, to those people in those areas of knowledge, whether it's your professors or others within your family or friends circle, having maybe someone you know introduce you to someone to help give you that advice that you need, that I think is having those good advisors is a good first start. But I must say, and this goes back to my earlier message, that what is right, what is the right way to go about, you know, about a particular business must always come from inside you because you're going to get many good advice and some of them not so good. And some advice that may take you one way or another in terms of the execution. Mm -hmm. And, but when you sit with all the answers from everyone, it must ultimately come from yourself. So you gather the knowledge and you lean on the experience that others have. And, but that moment of act, that moment of acting must actually come from you. Wow, Raquel, I'm, I'm really blown away with your 
uh, with the depth of your thought process uh, being an entrepreneur. You know, it's it's really um, I really appreciate it. You know. Oh, thank you, thank you for having me, Sid. I had a wonderful time here, and it was you know such an interesting um, you know conversation. So thank you for um, for for your time. And, um, and then lastly, I would just like to remind everyone uh, to go to thebunchfulawards.com or bebunchful, B-E-B-U-N-C-H-F-U-L.com and join us on November 17. Uh, the tickets are complimentary for November 17. And, uh, and then join us um, for the Bunchful Awards ceremony on April 27th. Perfect. So I'm actually going to add this as well, information in the description of the video so people can see. Uh, well, Raquel, I want to thank you very much. You know, same here. It was a blast having you learning a lot of good points from you. And uh, I hope, uh, I actually wish you all the very success and uh, fame, you know, that you deserve. And uh, if you ever need anything, we are always there for you. And uh, you know, this is it, you know. Thank you so much for your time and I wish you an amazing weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sid. Thank <laughs> you guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.